Praise God that he is coming again. And so I'm going now to turn it over to Tom Meyer. And he, again, has such a neat ministry. You might have heard him if you've been at the Creation Museum or the Ark Encounter. So he has a regular presentation and a regular ministry down there. Uh, really fantastic. And uh, he also is quite the writer. So he has a, a whole lot of commentaries that he has written on the uh, various books of the Bible. And, uh, of course, after the service, you'll be able to talk with them and ask them more questions. But I am so thankful, Tom, to have you here. God bless you. It's great to be back, everybody. And what I'd like to do is the following. Hi to you in TV land out there as well. Um, I'd like to recite the book of Second Thessalonians from memory, as Pastor said. And then after that... I spent four years in Israel, in Jerusalem, earning two master's degrees there. So I want to kind of use that background, that lens, my education over there, to help us work through chapter 2, verse by verse, and try and figure out, to the best of our ability, what happens in what order in the future. Paul and Silas and Timothy, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, because it is meet that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all towards each other aboundeth, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith and all the persecution and tribulation which you endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you should be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to those that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God will count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter, as from us, is that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or worshipped, so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember you not that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now you know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now hindereth will hinder until he be taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked be revealed." whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them that perished, 
because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast, hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us, and have given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your heart and establish you in every good word and work. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that you both do and will do the things which we commanded you. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us, give you everlasting consolation and peace. Now, we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourself from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the traditions which he received from us. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behave not ourselves disorderly among you, Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might be chargeable unto any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now, then there are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat your own bread. But you, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man above you obey not this law, I command you to have no company with him. But don't count him as an enemy. Admonish him as a brother. Now, the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with my own hand, which is the token in Every epistle, so I write, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The sign says Baptist. Amen. Amen. There we go. All right. Well, let's, to the best of our ability, try to work through chapter 2. Sound good? Chapter 2, verse 1. We have to keep in mind, first of all, that chapter divisions first come into the Bible in about the 13th century A.D., during the Crusader period, 1260 supposedly to be exact. The Bible Jesus used, in fact, the oldest Hebrew, intact Hebrew Bible in the world before they found the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1948, before they found those, which date to about 200 years before Jesus, and maybe 50 or 100 years after Jesus, the oldest intact Hebrew Bible in the world before they found those is from 1000 A.D. Isn't that amazing? Up until 1947, the oldest Hebrew Bible in the world was from 1,000 years after Jesus. But even that Bible, the Aleppo Codex from 1000 A.D., no chapters, no verses. So chapters first come in about, like I said, about the 13th century A.D. And then 
to break it down even more, verses first come into your Bible in the 16th century AD, right around the advent of the printing press, they say about 1550, by a man named Roberto Stephanus. And according to tradition, he uh, took a, a donkey cart to work, and on his way to and fro from work, he would redeem the time, and he would demarcate in the text where he thought the chapters and verses should go. And for better or worse, till death do us part, that's kind of what we're stuck with here. And, um, but the reason I bring that up is because, like Pastor mentioned before, it was the tradition in the early church to do what I just did. Uh, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read aloud unto all the holy brethren to read it in its entirety from A to Z without any human tinkering or anything like that. So this is a letter. That's all it, not all it is, but that's what it is. It's a letter. So we're going to start in chapter 2, verse number 1. Now, verses 1 through 11, we're going to really zero in on that. But uh, whatever led up in chapter 1 to this point, and then whatever flows from chapter 2 and chapter 3, it all is revolves around or is hooked on chapter 2. It's the heart of the book. And right off the bat with that word now, he's abruptly switching subjects. He, uh, he's compassionate about, Paul's compassionate about these people's misunderstanding of Scripture because if you remember back in First Thessalonians, I don't know how earlier he wrote it, but it wasn't too far distant time between the two. This church had tons of problems. I mean, they, from top to bottom, it's a new baby church of all these former pagans, former heathens in a port city. And, you know, I mean, you've seen the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, right? You know what port cities are like? Right, kind of like an antiquity, and they're seedy, and they're not that Duluth is seedy or dirty in any way, shape, or form. But, but I live close enough to San Francisco where you can smell it. Just think of something like that, you know. So these people are coming out of the world and into the Word, and they're not there yet. Their work's in progress. So there's a lot of misunderstanding in the pew, and Paul is really in, especially verses one through eleven, trying to clear up this misunderstanding and this fogginess that people have about the correct order of end times events. So we beseech you, or we urge you, or we plead with you to do what? Well, before he gets to what he's going to do, he underlines it by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by a gathering together onto him. So the whole thing, the whole teaching revolves around what we would call the rapture, the gathering together onto him which back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 was also one of the major, nothing's changed, right? One of the major issues in the church that people were uncertain about and had questions about. It goes something like this. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Pause. That means that they were ignorant about it, that the, that the early Christians in Thessalonica were uncertain that they would ever again see their loved ones who believed in Christ. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So if I was one of those people in that early church, my mom died four years ago, if I was like that, I would have been thinking that I'll never see my mom again. But he says, I don't want you to be ignorant about that, concerning them which are asleep, that you have no hope, even as others. Then he goes on to say this, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, and that's 
underlining the chain of command and the authority by which he's speaking. This we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not proceed, that means go before, for those of you from Cloquet, okay? <laughs> shall not, those of you which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, you shall not precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, that word for shout, in the Greek, it's the word used to like summon an army. So just picture there's a bunch of soldiers out here just doing their own thing, kind of on whatever. And then all of a sudden, a commander or a general shows up and gives an order, and everyone drops what they're doing and whoosh, comes to attention. So all the Christians on earth are just doing what they're doing, you know? And then he comes to the cloud with that shout, that kind of military shout, and whoosh, they're gone. But you will not, so the grave opens first. My mom's mausoleum would open up first. Her soul is already in heaven because to be absent with the body is to be present from the Lord. Her soul's in heaven, but her, she hasn't received her new body yet. Jesus is the only one who's received a new body. That's why he's the first fruits. Now, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now pause real quick. Now, that whole idea there is based or rooted in a, in a cultural phenomenon that is foreign to us because we're Americans. And it looks something, even today, pastors probably seen this. When you go to Israel, you can rent a car, go in the West Bank, and you'll go through some Arab neighborhoods. And you'll see that they have rebar sticking up out of the top of their house. Now, to you and I, that would be like an eyesore. But to them, it's a hope and a promise of better things to come. Because in their world, when you want to marry off the girls as soon as possible. Can I get an amen? Yes, no. They want to marry off the girls as soon as possible. But the boys, in, their, in the ancient Near East especially... The boys are your social security. The boys are your defense. The boys are your safety net. The boys stay at home. So the boys would build a room addition onto the father's house, and they would get the girl and then bring the girl back to the father's house. Okay? That was just the normal custom and mannerism of the people at that time. So that custom is, the rapture is parallel with that. So right now, like in John 14, Jesus, our groom, is in heaven, and in my father's house are many mansions, but the word means room, like a room addition. In my father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, because he's a tecton. Don't, when you think of carpenter, don't think of a hammer and nail guy. It means master builder, a master builder. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and bring you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. You see, the, it's the same thing. That just as the boy would go get the girl and bring the girl back to the father's house, that's what's going on right now. Okay? And when he's done building the house, when everyone's names written in the, the fullness of the Gentiles is finished, then he'll come to the clouds, take his bride, and then we will be with him in heaven, and then Revelation chapter 6, 7, all the way to 19 will happen. Okay? Now these people didn't get that. That's why he told them, I don't want you to continue remaining ignorant about the subject matter. Well, they're still lost, <laughs> these poor people. And so let's continue then to verse number two. Verse two, he's going to zero in, as you can see, on something called the false, the false claim, and we'll unpack that in a minute. 
So here he goes. Well, first of all, he does not want you to be shaken in mind or be troubled by a spirit or by a word as from us. Now, that first word shaken here, that uh, picture like out on Lake Superior and you're in a small boat and it's capsizing and there's a gigantic storm. That, that feeling of dread and that feeling of terror of you being tossed about to and fro, that's how these people felt. Because the persecution, the suffering, the tribulation that these people were enduring was making them think that they actually were living through the book of Revelation. So not only were they shaken in mind, but that word trouble it has the idea to cry aloud, which is exactly your reaction if you were on a boat in the middle of a storm and there was a gigantic storm and it was capsizing. Now, Paul, we have to remember here, is probably 350 miles away. What's 350 miles from here? Chicago? Okay, Des Moines. So Paul is in Des Moines and the Port City Heathen Church is in Duluth. Okay? And he is not exactly sure because he's so far away what is the means, the mechanism that is causing these people in the pew to freak out and to think that it's the end of the world. So he guesses right here. He says, well, maybe it's a spirit. Now, that word for spirit, think of like 1 John 4.1 when he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So it could be he's thinking that, and you have to be careful of those itinerant teachers who just come through town and speak and blow up and blow up and blow out. Right, Pastor? Right. <laughs> so he's thinking maybe.